it's mail. You're absolutely right. It's letters, right? And we don't, well, guess what? This one was written to Trish M. Jones. Do you know who that is? That was me before I got married. These letters, I went down into the basement and found them. I got a stack of them here, don't I? It was in the cave, yes, yeah, down by my yes, yes, yes. The cave is in, I don't know how, I, ask later what the cave is. Um, these letters were written by Papa and my mother when I was away at college, which was like 40 or so years ago. Long time, right? I know, literally another lifetime or two. And I saved these. Sometimes we save letters, right? I have a couple others here to show you. This was a Christmas letter that somebody wrote. I bet everybody here probably got some Christmas letters. Did you get some at your house? Yeah. Showing you everything that, or talking about everything they'd done over the last year. A lot of times they sent pictures and things, okay, right? You? Nope, that wasn't me. It was a letter that somebody sent me. And sometimes we send people nice little notes like this. I have a couple of notes that people have sent me just saying some nice things, which is nice. They come in the mail. We also get letters today in other ways. My phone's being used right now. Otherwise, I would show you. I bet, you bet you've read them, though. Sometimes we get text messages on phones. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or email messages. You know what those are? On the computer, yeah. There's all sorts of different ways we've had letters come in the past. And then there's this letter. Did you know this is a letter? It's a book. It's a book. What book is it? No, Bible. It's the Bible. Absolutely. Did you know there are letters in the Bible? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were just reading from a letter today, the letter that Paul wrote. And uh, we're going to be hearing from Paul and the letter he wrote uh, for the next few Sundays. Paul wrote, and we thought it was so important, sometimes like this. Apparently, I haven't looked at these for a long time, but I must have saved these for a reason, don't you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I saved them for a long time. Well, what happened with Paul is he wrote some letters to people on various places. This that's where, yeah, and that's... He even, absolutely, good job, Brandon. He even did it in jail. And people who heard these letters thought they were so important they were going to save them. And they did. And they kept passing them on and on. And we still think they're so important they got saved right into the Bible. So I wanted to show you, here's where the globe comes, because I wanted to show you where this letter was written to or the people to whom it was written. So can you find us on there? Here, let me hold it, and you guys can point right there, right? right there. Yep, right smack dab in the middle of the United States. Well, Paul wrote this letter to the church at Corinth, and Corinth is way over here. This is Greece. Do you see where it says Greece? Yeah. And then do you see something that says Athens? Yeah. Well, it's too small for us to see, but there's like a kind of a canal or a, a stream or an, a sea across the way and so it's kind of down there by Athens across the way that's where Paul was writing now look here is Israel and Palestine so here's where Jesus was preaching and talking and then here's where Paul had traveled to one of the places Paul had traveled to he to traveled spread to the news a, of Jesus yes yeah, sometimes he had to go on a ship sometimes he went by land absolutely and we of course our way over here. Now, there's one other thing I want you to know about Jesus this letter. Still on those lands? No, Jesus is in heaven, right? 
Is that what you said? No, Jesus rose again. Yes, that's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. All right, I wanted to read something in here as well that I wanted you to know. So he's talking to people, to anybody who calls upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ in every place. So when Paul was writing this letter, I don't think he knew it, but he was writing this letter not to just those people in Corinth. He was writing the letter to you and you and me and all of us as well. And then there's something I want you to hear in here, which he said. He said... He talks about because Jesus loves us and cares for us, the result is that you aren't missing any spiritual gifts while you wait for Jesus to come again. Hey, hey wait a minute, I'm talking now. now. Oh, listen up. N you aren't missing any spiritual gifts. Do you know what spiritual gifts are? Yes. What are they? I yeah, that's okay, all right. No, do you, do you, you got any idea what spiritual gifts are? What are something that you do well? What's something you do well? What's something you do well, Jacob? Play board games. Excellent. Yes, that's a spiritual gift. Did you know that? Being able to read, if you do math well, if you're good at sports, if you're friendly, if you uh, like to, to... What's one? Do math. Doing math, those are all spiritual gifts. And I'm going to talk more about that, how we all have spiritual gifts and we have different ones. Now, I just realized as I gave you that, what I forgot to do was bring you a pencil or a pen. Maybe you can find one. Otherwise, I want you to take that home and think about what some of your spiritual gifts are and put them in that gift, that present, and put it up so you can remember some of the gifts God gave you. Can you do that for me? All right, all right. Open, 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 open. All right. I'm going to let you go back now and sit. Video games. Are you good at video games? That counts too. Technology. Just a minute. Yeah. 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 Someday you might use those skills to who, who knows what you'll be able to do with those skills. That's where we were, weren't we? Yeah. Yeah. All right. You can both go back and sit down now. Okay. Thank you for coming up. You going to take that with? Yeah. All right. Whew. You never know if you're going to make it through when the grandson's here or not. <laughs> Last week, the balcony team here at Messiah Met. You may remember uh, at our annual meeting last year, I said I was going to have a balcony team. You might also think about it as a mutual ministry team. Uh, a few folks who sit down with me, oh, every couple of months or so, we've been sitting down fairly regularly over the last year. And it's called a balcony team because it's this idea that sometimes we're out on the dance floor doing everyday work, dancing, right, doing everything that goes on. And sometimes you can be in the balcony, which is to take a step back and to say, what's happening? What is going on? And that's exactly what we do when we get together. What's happening here? What, what do you hear? What do you sense? What do you think people are feeling? Uh, kind of trying to look at the big picture. And so, uh, as we met last week, we spent a little bit of time talking about this last year and what we had felt we had seen happen and, and what had gone on around here. And by the way, and you'll hear it too, I'm sure, at the annual meeting, a lot happened here this last year when you sit down and actually stop to think about it. A lot went on. But then, of course, the conversation also turned to 
well, what's ahead, right? Where are we going? What's next? What do you think we should be doing? As that question came to me, I kind of uh, dodged it. And, uh, and I think for good reason. You know, we do have an annual meeting coming up in a few weeks. Pastor Janet did uh, one of her classes this last fall. She had to do an in-depth look at this congregation, and she'll be sharing some of that with us. So maybe something will come out of that that makes you go, hey, maybe we should. And also, after the annual meeting, we're, we're going to have a day where our, our council leaders and some of our other leaders will be doing some strategic planning, or we're talking about it as an annual roadmap and doing some setting of goals. And so I don't want to get out ahead of any of that. I want that to happen and, uh, and to see what percolates up from, from all of us, from this community. But I said, I do have some ideas about what's ahead for us some things that I'm pretty confident about. And one of those is, no matter what's ahead for us, I know that God is already there. Wherever we're going, God is already there, ready to meet us. And God, of course, is here leading us to that, whatever that might be. God's out ahead of us, and I never want us to doubt that, that no matter what's happening, whatever direction we are going to go, God is there. I also have this sense that there is plenty of work to be done in God's kingdom, both inside our walls as we continue to grow in faith with one another and outside our walls. And I also firmly believe that all of us are here in this place and in this time because we're supposed to be here. We are here because God has called us to be here both for ourselves, but also, and maybe more importantly, for the work that God is also preparing us to do. So I don't know exactly what's next and what's in store for us, but I do know that God is calling us to watch for it, to be open to what might be next, to listen, and to be ready. Just like John the baptizer watched and listened and was ready for the coming of the Messiah, you know, we don't know how long John was out in the wilderness pro prophesying and uh, proclaiming that the Messiah was coming, but it could have been quite a while. After all, we know that he was out there long enough to, to gather disciples of his own, people that were following him, as well as you might remember last week, he had the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to see him as well because they had heard about him. So he had been there for a while. But in that time, we also know that he knew to be watching for something and to be readying for something. And he was preparing people as well to be ready. He knew that the Messiah was coming. And he said he didn't know, but he was watching and waiting and listening. And then when the moment came, he acted. And do you notice what his actions were? What he did was witness to God. He pointed to the Messiah over and over again, he said, there he is. That's the Lamb of God. That's the one. That's the one who is coming. He's here. And he even said to his followers, now go follow him. It's a pretty unusual thing, isn't it? When you think about it, most of us like to keep people who are following us under our control, under our wing. And, and John said, no, this is it. This is the Son of God. Leave me and follow him. Go form a new community with him. That's what his action was, was to point to God. I also believe that whatever is out ahead of us, that's 
one of the major actions that we are to take as well, to point to God, to say whatever we do, we are doing because of God. We are who we are because of God. We exist. Our very being, this very place happens and is here all because of God. You heard Paul do the same thing in his letter to the church at Corinth. He was calling out to the people who were a part of that church. But if you listen carefully, you also read and hear that he was calling out to all who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he was calling out to people, not just within that, probably a house church within the city itself, but he was calling out to all who would hear his words. And I don't know that Paul understood or knew that that meant across generations. But it's true, he's calling out to us yet today as well, to you and to me. And what he's saying is, listen up, listen up. God is here. And then he goes on and he says, you have all the spiritual gifts that you need to do the work of God. In other words, whatever God is calling you to do, wherever God is calling you to go, you have everything you need to do that work everything and in fact you have more than everything anything that you would need you have it all you do not lack for anything there is an abundance of gifts in your midst that was true for the church of Corinth and my friends that is true for us as well no matter what it is that God is calling us to do in the coming months or in the coming years no matter who it is we are called to be we can respond knowing we have everything that it takes. Now, we know it's not you and me as individuals that have it all, right? No one of us can do the work that God desires of us. No one of us can do this work of working in the kingdom. We don't have everything and all that we need if we think about it as just, well, this is what I have to do. But together... Together, of course, we are greater than just one person. Together, we have all the gifts we need. And think about how many different gifts we need. Some of us are needed to make music, right? Some of us are needed to read, maybe to teach, to serve, to paint a wall, or to put up chairs, or to count money. Maybe it's to weed a flower bed, or to make a meal, or to pin a quilt, or to send a letter to somebody else. The list of gifts that we need to do the work of God goes on and on and on. But we have all that we need. Think about how amazing that is for just a moment. That among all of us together, we can do anything that needs to be done to further the work of God's kingdom. We have all those resources. And do you realize as well what a unique understanding that is to have in our world today? Right? Because in our world, in our world, we live in a world of divisions that are threatening really to tear us apart. In our world today, we're mostly encouraged and sometimes even expected to take sides and to divide ourselves up into camps of you against me or us versus them. And those divisions threaten to disintegrate any sense of communal work for the common good that we've ever had. But this is not the first time we have faced divisions. The same thing was true in the very church that Paul was writing to. And we know as well, if we're honest, that same thing was true right here in this community not so long ago. 
divisions were threatening to undo, undo the fabric of this very community. But Paul and the church prevailed. And this community of faith has prevailed. And so we know, and again, we can speak with confidence that whatever the future holds for us, whatever tasks may come our way, we can accomplish them and we can meet them with confidence. And the most important part of that is to understand the reason why we can do that. Because even as we are better together, God, of course, is still greater than all of us put together. God is greater yet. And as I said at the beginning, God is out there waiting for us, calling to us, claiming us, leading us, walking with us every step of the way, bringing us together, keeping us together, and then showing us what's next, giving us all the resources that we will need. And remember as well, all that we will need won't be our work, it's God's work. Paul said that as well. He said, you have everything you need because of the grace of God given to us in Christ Jesus. He went on and he said, we're together because in every way we have been made rich by him, by Christ, in all of our communication, in all of our knowledge, in all of our witness, in all of our gifts. We are greater together because God is greater yet. So what's in store for 2020 and beyond? I don't know, but I do know it will be great things. We have already done great things this past year, and more is in store. Great things await us because we are saying yes to the ever-greatness of God. We are saying yes to the empowerment by grace that we receive through Christ. We are saying yes to embodying God's love to one another and to all the people and all the places where all of us connect. It's a great thing made even greater by the greatness of God. Please pray with me. Oh God, you have called your servants to ventures of which we cannot see the ending, by paths as yet untrodden, through perils unknown. Give us faith to go out with good courage, not knowing where we go, but only that your hand is leading us and your love supporting us. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.